Hello folks, welcome back to another episode of the South Pole Podcast. I am Doyle Unruh and joining me today is my co-host Becky Sarzinski and James Foster of Grosbeck, Texas. We are going to hear straight from Foster Farms about some very interesting things taking place on his farm. This daddy-daughter duo is the real deal. A UK production company stumbled onto their story during the whiteout of early 2021 when the world watched as much of Texas began to live without the amenities of a power grid. James gives us the details of what happened next. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a story that is still unfolding. Hey James, I'm glad you're on tonight. You got a story, I think, to tell us. So before we get into that, give us, tell us who you are. Other than James, give us a farm name, give us a location, give us a few details of your operation, just so people have a little overview of who you are, why we're here tonight, and then let's go on. Yes, sir, you got it. First of all, let me say how honored and um, welcoming this is to be a part of this, and I really love this opportunity. My name is James Foster with Foster Farms here in Grosbeck, Texas. We're about an hour east of Waco, smack dab in the middle of Dallas and Austin. So basically the heart of Texas. Um, it's nasty and humid outside, but um, I'm loving it. Forge is green, forage is popping. And it's a, it's a beautiful day out to get absolutely over the winter we've had. Um, but me and my folks, uh, me and my family, we run Foster Farms here. We um, got into the South, South Pole cattle breed here two and a half years or so, and we've been steadily uh, climbing, the, climbing up the hill and, and trying to get our act together, so to say, um, trying to improve our animals, but um, most importantly, improve our, our land and our soil. I like to tell people that it's a faith family and forage here. Uh, we started as um, just rebuilding the soil years before we ever got a South Pole or even looked into purchasing the first one we were focused on building our soil quality and um, forage diversity. And uh, we've come a long ways. And so um, we're very proud of what we do here and um, hoping to share our story here. And it will be uh, shared in front of quite a few people here over the next year or so. Um, we have a docu-series that's been following us around and um, it's very interesting. Uh, it's a different situation. I'm not used to being on camera all the time. We're just uh, some hillbillies out in the country I homeschool my daughter, she's six years old, and we just hang out in the farm. We hang out with our animals, we hang out in nature, and um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I left corporate America. I uh, used to work for pretty massive uh, big oil companies down um, in Houston. That was great and everything. It was everything I ever worked for my whole life, pay-wise, uh, image-wise. Went to college for a long time to get that job. And whenever I finally got it, I was sadder than I've ever been. And uh, it ate away at my soul. And thank the good Lord above. Um, one day I broke my back in eight places. That forced me into um, taking a break. I was forced into recovering from home for six months. And during that time, I got to experience what being a father was like to my newborn daughter. Got to come home to the farm, see my family. Unfortunately, that's when we noticed some abnormalities in my dad's uh, behavior. And um, that's why I'm here, to do it for my family, to carry on the family name, because his uh, neurological state of being has evolved into Alzheimer's now. So we are a big uh, proponent of trying to bring awareness to Alzheimer's and, and help out folks here on the farm. If we can help out 
special needs programs, um, anything really to, to get kids, get the community involved in learning how to grow their own forages, learning how to grow their own foods. And then the money that's left over from that, we kick it back to the Alzheimer's research. Well, I'm sorry to hear of the stress that you've encountered there along the way in your life, but I'm happy to hear how you're dealing with it. So do you have I more you want to tell us? Maybe a little bit of details about your operation. Obviously, you must have been, maybe was it your dad's farm before that? Were you running other cattle? Just give us a few more details, maybe a little bit of a background before we launch into what's current. Yeah, um, what it was is my family, my father's side of the family have always been farmers. Even my mom's side of the family, they were farmers going back to a few centuries ago. But um, my dad really locked down and he wanted to um, give us a proper life. So he built construction plants, worked construction in construction industry for 52 years with the same company. So we were like an army family moving every other year. And just his dedication to family and, and to work really uh, showed me something, showed me something different. You don't see too much these days. So I try to pass that on to my daughter and, and show her that we need to be here for the ones that love us because they did everything to sacrifice for us. So he retired and went out and got his little piece of the pie. He bought 55 acres. The neighbors to the right have about 13,000 acres. The neighbors to the left have about 8,500 acres. And we're the little um, scrubs in the middle with 55 acres and a bad corner that no one wanted to farm. So uh, he jumped on it. He, he loved it. And he turned it from a nasty patch of mesquite trees and just unfarmable non-grazing land to what it is today and I've just tried to carry that on and um, while also trying to get more grass because any grazer always needs more grass to graze so I'm always on that hunt for another lease and we just had a 400 acre lease fall through that one kind of was a kick to the gut but I, I take great pride in this 55 acres here and we've increased our stocking density to the point where our neighbors think I'm crazy for a multitude of reasons, but when they see how many cows we have on 55 acres and how often I'm out there moving them around and hollering at them and everything, they just trip out. And um, the guys that were laughing at me are now the guys coming asking to do pasture walks. So I'm pretty grateful. That's cool. Well, let's talk a little bit more um, about what's currently going on in your farm before we talk about the documentary stuff, because I'm going to save that kind of for the end. Um, but obviously soil health and increasing soil productivity and forage productivity is obviously a big, big component in your, your own operation, um, which is probably one of the reasons why you were enticed by the South Pole cows. So let's talk about the South Poles. What, what ultimately led you to this breed or how did you first come about it? First came about it by wanting to maximize a profit per acre and started looking around at most efficient type of animals to do that because whenever I broke my back, actually the first seven weeks or so I was on the farm, I buried six cows, six big old 1800 pound, 1600 pound Goliaths. It just, just flipped my lid. I didn't know what I was really getting into here looking at, but I knew it wasn't sustainable. Um, it wasn't financially sustainable. It wasn't right to do the animals that way. So as we started building soil quality, I started looking around. You kind of bump into PCC genetics here and there, feral cattle, and um, good old YouTube. You got to love the tube. And I ended up seeing, wow, 
there's another weirdo like me that's unrolling hey what's this guy about and sure enough it was greg judy and um he he really kind of got me into looking at, at these weird smaller brown cows because everyone around here has black ones and so i was really intrigued by these efficient cattle and there's none of them in texas it almost seemed like at the time none of my neighbors knew what they were no one's heard about them and all of a sudden the guy that's maybe seven miles down the road from me his name's bill bond he's changed the game for me he took me under his wing and he started back I want to say 20 something plus years ago, they went from predominantly beef master their entire herd and they went to bent tree farms. They picked up a bull and they started breeding up. And now he has a massive, huge herd, a few hundred commercial of the best looking South poles you'll ever see. They're adapted to this environment. Um, I really respect what they've done with it. And he just not, does not care for the registered game. So he's in it just for the commercial side. He, he loves that. His dad loves it. And so um, I learned from them. I mean, a lot, basically everything I know. So I try to mimic myself around him and he was a big fan of Zeitzman and all those old school guys, you know, like the real ones, um, Bondsman and whatnot. The, these guys that had the canny ability to observe and to take what the animal is giving it and just, let the environment work for you instead of just trying to battle it constantly. And don't get me wrong. I love cover crops and stuff like that to rebuild soil, but Bill Bond does not plant cover crops as poor cows. If they're going to survive, they have to survive uh, fighting through mesquite trees and cactus and everything. So I really appreciated how adaptable those cows were because if they can flourish there, I was pretty sure we're going to get some pretty fat cows on our farm. <laughs> that's cool. So that's, that's awesome to be able to, get genetics like that from your neighbor that are already adapted and I really like that that he's he's not chasing it's it's I support having registration you know paperwork to be able to say what this cow is but you know there's nothing wrong with having a good cow you know we shouldn't be we're not breeding paperwork we're breeding cattle exactly and if you look at him they throw a beautiful ribeye they're just beautiful cows they, they work their udders are gorgeous so if i can one day get my registered udders to look half as good as his i'm going to be sitting pretty but um as of right now we only have about 35 mama cows and going to be building up from there um as soon as i can start growing onto my neighbor's property but those 35 have um they've brought us a long way we didn't pick them up all at once we picked them up from different breeders um Devin down there in Alabama, he's been a huge help to our program and um, him and his wife have just been awesome. And then not to mention like Kyle Shirley up north in Missouri, he, he's kind of taken me under his wing and sent some of his cows over here. So I'm really appreciative for all these guys because everyone in the breed has, no one's been rude, you know what I mean? No one's been just ignoring my phone calls. It's really cool because I bothered everyone and their brother until someone would take my call and teach me about these cows and all of them were lined up and ready to teach me. So that's why I'm so big on trying to bring awareness to this breed because it's about the most welcoming there is out there. You say you have about 35 mama cows on 55 acres. Is that yes. right numbers? Yes, ma'am. And it's a battle. It's a battle. <laughs> like uh, we're, we're getting ready to, to, I don't want to say cull because we've gone through our culls now. Uh, we were blessed to not have a tremendous amount because of the genetics we kind of started off with. 
However, um, there are some that just didn't make the cut because we're kind of strict with our, with our breeding here and everything. And I push ours to really breed in that first 21 days or so, you know, I really want them to get that first heat cycle in and the ones that don't, they may breed in 23 or 24 days, but I have a set group right there that did breed within that 21 days. And so I really want to build and stick around them because we are shooting for seed stock level genetics. So I'm going to start filtering out here some pretty soon, but, uh, I should have trusted Bill Bond. He said it was going to be a, you know what, a pain in the butt to have a bull, to have steers, to have heifers, to have cows and everything on 55 acres. I was too cocky, but holy moly, was he right? Cause I'm, it's just a nonstop battle. And I hate my neighbor's bull so much. I just threw 24 jewels down the middle of my property. So I'm not looking forward to the day that I touch that hot wire. So James, tell us what are your challenges with the breed? You know, some, sometimes people say, uh, those South Poles aren't good. And actually, I was one of those at first. I told, I remember standing at the back of the crowd with Dr. Alan Williams at Greg Judy's field day. And I was like, well, this and this and this. Nobody said there's things I like about those those cattle. And and I would point out this. And Ralph Foss kept coming by and saying, well, Doyle, I think in your environment where you're at, you'd really benefit from them. And for some reason, I went home and I got eight from Jay Miller. And I happened to notice the other day on the website that he still selling heifers out of those barzona cows and i mean barzona cows don't just come real frequent so i'm guessing it might have been the same barzona cows that's about 15 years ago already that's pretty cool i mean to call him and ask him but anyway so how how are you finding the south poles or is it you know are they are they smoking mirrors or are they as good as everybody says or what happened on your farm i mean that that seems pretty good 35 head on 55 acres it's an adventure. It's a nonstop adventure. Um, we've been very blessed that we don't have any crazy externalities that are popping out just yet. We've, since we transitioned from Angus and predominantly like Hereford mix, basically big old cell barn cows, I've never had to pull a calf from these ones, which is a blessing because that's sadly where we lived during a calving season was pulling calves and, and, battling vaccines and this and that and everything and i'm a i'm different than most people these days because you see everyone with tattoos and piercings and i'm scared to death of needles and so i'm i'm probably not the best person to sit there shoot side and start jamming these things in the cow the one time i did with one of our old cows i chased that poor girl for six hours with a big old needle sticking out of her hip and she was kicking everything it was it was i was waiting for someone to come out with a camera and be like ah we got you now it was just my stupidity that day like I just didn't man up and do it properly. So I've, I've tried to learn from that, but, um, with the South poles, they've been really great. Uh, they have been adaptable. They have been for the most part efficient and you do have your externalities that have shown their, that raise their heads because a lot of people are really, really throwing lots of cover crops. And sometimes you get into people that maybe have baleage accessible and, and just awesome stuff we don't have that kind of great of opportunities to grab a lot of extra stuff around here like i looked for baleage one time and people just looked at me like i was as if i'm not crazy enough to having brown cows now this guy's looking for baleage what the you know and so since then i learned um we just need to improve our pastures but don't go to the point where 
I'm selling a cow that's that's all pumped up on my pasture and it gets to somewhere else with true native grasses that it should be able to flourish on and then just melts away. Um, so I, I'm trying to walk that fine line of building soil quality. However, kind of basing it around native grasses so that it, they're truly adaptable to a central Texas environment and we can set a good example for the breed instead of just one day someone getting mad at me saying, hey man, why is this bull over here 600 pounds? He was 1300 pounds last week. You know, I just, I'm terrified of that. So we try to walk that line of diversity and, and coming back home to our native forages, but. Sounds yeah. like you're, you're uh, using what, working with what you've got there, which is I think the most economical way to, to go about this. And I know I mean, this breed is essentially your environment down there in Texas is way different than my environment up here in Virginia. <laughs> um, but it's really, it's fun to hear all of all these producers all over the, the country essentially using this breed, but making it, kind of fine tuning it for their own environment. For sure. It's very cool to see something. I hate to keep saying the word adaptable, but something that can flourish in Missouri or I mean, we were seeing stuff being sold from California to Virginia and Wisconsin down to Louisiana and everything. It's super cool because uh, our old cows wouldn't have flourished like that. And these ones just, the poor things, they, there's times a year when they don't have the best uh, forage out there for them, but they get out there and they do work and they, they're efficient at what they eat. So I can appreciate that greatly. They're a lot more efficient than I am. Do you uh, get to graze year round down there? Um, just because I'm not that familiar with, with Texas. So I'm assuming you have a almost a year round growing season or pretty close to it. Um, our natives here, we're basically like coastal and Bahia with some um, clover mixed in there and Bermuda. So our growing season is awesome. Looks great. Cows are fat, but come August, the nutrient levels just drop. I mean, I'd like to say incrementally, but it's, it's pretty bad. It's a huge drop off. So this last year we experimented with a seven way cover crop mix, learned to get it in the fall, kind of keep hold them over and nothing worked out as planned as usual. I couldn't find a no-till drill within two States that someone would let me rent or borrow. And uh, I sat there with a couple thousand dollars worth of cover crop seeds sitting in my garage. So that was a huge learning experience in, let's let's find stuff that works here and I can simply broadcast in front of the cows and make them do the work for me. They need to trample it in for me. I'm just trying to keep that in mind, front of my head. Cows work for us. We don't work for them. Good point. So far, I was going to say like the only thing I, I've really, I've heard is some people say that I think it was Ralph. He told me one time, I mean, he's an incredible source of knowledge right there. So when you get on the phone with them, it's not like it's going to be a 10 minute conversation. You're going to be talking to them for a good while. So I try to have yeah. my notes ready and everything down. But uh, he always told me, yeah, man, you can bring some cows from Missouri down to Texas, but they may not do as great if you take them from the South up North. And so I'm, I'm just trying to see, I don't know, maybe we can improve on that over many, many, many years of calling and, and building the right genetics, but I'm not going to hang my head on that just yet. So what's your market right now um, for your South Poles? Are you, um, sounds like you're kind of at your max capacity. So I assume that there's, you're selling cows in there somewhere, or calves or steers. So what's that, uh, what's can, your market look like? We're going to fit 60 more cows on here before I grow. 
our market actually we have some grass finishers that are going to be taking over our steers um that's a huge blessing right there especially when you're keeping them local or or just know that they're going to a right home a proper home because people may want to laugh at me i'm just kind of a hippie i really care about our animals and uh to the point where we came to this breed for the docility within them i'm out there with my six-year-old daughter every single day and she's kicking a soccer ball through the middle of the herd she can she has a cattle call better than anyone in my county including myself <clears throat> and uh with my pops and everything just we wanted docility so we, we love that i i want the animals to go to a good home and so we have been blessed that grass finishers are now stepping up to take over those steers of ours and we're really i mean i need to start posting on the classifieds yesterday that we have some uh beautiful heifers it's just that they're finally coming out and they're our cows that grew up their moms are, are developing on our pastures and it wasn't like buying them in your utero they were truly here and epigenetically they're perfect for our place and i love that I love the whole epigenetic game and really being patient enough. We're in this for the long haul. It's not like an overnight victory. And so to see those coming out now and they're looking so killer, I'm like, man, I need to get more property because I don't want to sell these girls. But we need to. We got to pay the bills. You don't make any money watching them eat all your grass up. I don't want to rely on hay anymore because last year all our hay burned up and my tractor burned up and that was a buzzkill right. right there. So yeah, we'll see if we can avoid that this next year. Yeah, I remember you posted that on Facebook. That was pretty sad. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was in such a panic. I just went live. Yeah. I was like, y'all aren't going to believe this. This is, this is really happening right now, but I'm grateful. It could have been way worse. I'm very blessed and grateful. Well, should we jump into the documentary you got going on? Yeah, I think so. I guess I'm not Wherever even sure are. where to start. What's going on? I, I saw your post the other day and I was really busy at the time and I haven't went back to it. So what can you tell us? I, I, I know nothing. Man, you and I both, it's a, uh, it's all come <laughs> at us so fast. It's been a trip because like I said, I'm not, we're not big into like throwing ourselves out there and everything. And so um, we had a production company actually find us on a, all 10 people that follow me on my Instagram. You know, my, my videos are viewed by by five people at most. And so I was pretty stoked whenever someone's blowing up my, my DMs and it was this production company. And they said, man, um, you're pretty out there. You're kind of an oddball compared to a lot of Texas ranchers. And uh, whenever they, they're based in the UK. So they're from London, incredible group of people. And they said, whenever that big winter hit here a couple of years ago in, in Texas, when everything came to a standstill, even though y'all probably like, that's a regular Tuesday for y'all. Everyone in Texas freaked out. Everything broke down. Animals were dying left and right. Sadly, people were as well. And he said in the UK and all over the world, people were glued to their TVs that whole time. He said, we were just shook by what was happening over there. And so the producer, one of the executive producers got it in his head. He's like, man, um, I think we should go try to see how Texas ranchers, cattle ranchers specifically, like dealt with that situation and how are they kind of getting back on the, on board to what, whatever they lost, you know, like how are they just dealing with, with the situation? And it was kind of weird because I didn't think it was that big of a deal because I've lived in Virginia and some colder places before, but yeah, he said it, it tripped everyone out. So they reached out to us. They wanted to choose a three 
Texas cattle ranches to to feature in this documentary that could be end up evolving into like a docu series and it's all going so fast it's kind of really mind blowing and um hey so we chose a couple ranches and I'm pretty sure they're gigantic professional ranches with real cowboys on real horses and I'm the weirdo out here in shorts and flip flops at a bull sale you know like. I just took out like a sore thumb. He's like, yeah, man, but like, you're doing it. You're doing it on your own. You're, you're raising your daughter in this and you kind of stepped in it and you did it for your family. And that may have been how it started, but I'm doing it for myself now. Cause this is really what my passion, my heart is in. It's what I went to school for. And so they, they wanted to capture that. So they came over from London. They followed us around. Uh, we went to a Pharaoh cattle company bull cell. And uh, for a couple of days, I got to act like king of the castle. Like I have all these people following me. It felt super weird. But uh, Kit Farrow said some incredible things about me and our, our operation that no one cued him on or like asked him to. He just, I was kind of like stoked, you know, more people are seeing what I'm doing than I thought. And it's just like hard work. I would love to say that I have awesome water system with poly lines going and quick couplers everywhere on my property but we're not there yet so i'm the i'm out there on my utv dragging a, a piece of plywood i drilled a hole in and hooked a chain to with big old old mineral buckets full of water and I, if i fill up five buckets hopefully by the time i get to the one side of the property i have enough like for two buckets worth of water with all the splashing and everything it's just uh we're kind of a joke but we're a fun joke and it's it's never boring and I've gotten pretty good at dragging water without spilling much now. I'll get to the other side of that 55 acres, five full buckets. That's a win for the day. I'll take it. And so uh, these guys were just watching this all go down with cameras. And they're like, wow, we, we like this. And they ended up hanging around a lot longer than we anticipated. I figured they were going to come in for a half a day, see my operation, laugh and kind of take off. But they appreciated how great our cows are, how great they look. And so I, I jumped on that opportunity to bring awareness to like, it's not me, man. Like I have very little to do with this. It's all on the animals and the genetics and the people that laid the groundwork for this. So it was kind of cool to see like Dave Hall said some really nice things and he was there at that cell and we're just bringing awareness to the breed on an international level, which is really cool because it deserves that much. You know, it's, it's fun to watch it grow. I know I'm kind of new here, only been here a couple of years, but the growth has been staggering. Like, I've never seen something grow so fast. How long has the crew been there uh, with you then? If you thought it was going to be a half day, how long has it been? It was a, a, a long, it's going to sound weird. It was a long couple of weeks. And that was just the first preliminary filming. We still have to go through post-production editing, like voiceovers and stuff like that. And so um, we're so far from done. It's crazy. It, it's <laughs> tip of the iceberg there's going to be a lot more action to come here and and they were laughing because i mean i was getting frustrated one day as today i couldn't get on my wi-fi i'm trying to get my poor daughter logged into homeschool in the morning and i'm sitting there freaking out and these guys like the producer standing behind the camera saying yeah yeah i love it that's real i said no it's real frustrating just it's kind of annoying to have cameras around like not in your best moments so i'm terrified like how it's going to portray me but the one thing I know for a fact is that like we really loved on the South Poles and we did our best to, to show them in a great light. That's pretty neat. 
you know, Teddy put a lot of work into those and that they didn't just get there overnight. You know, they're all the old timey breeds, a lot of the good breeds with outstanding qualities were created maybe in an area or a group of farmers, you know, and they all contributed. And yet you had the diversity from, you know, the difference between your farm, my farm and Becky's farm. Whereas Teddy did this with, you know, country music money and spent millions on developing these cattle. I mean, literally teens probably worth millions worth. And they say Linda would have the record somewhere, but I, I, I've never had them, you know, to look at, but they say it's up there pretty good, you know, and that was going through cattle, you know, researching. I mean, you know, that was real life too. And now we're the benefits of it. So yeah, it's pretty neat. So what else is going on? Just they uh, are they still around or they, they come and go or exactly it's a uh, I'd imagine it, I can't imagine how expensive it is because they're bringing over crews just by the flight and then the whole visa thing and everything I have I sadly haven't left the farm and traveled too much lately so I, I forgot how hard that stuff is but um yeah they they pop in they pop out um the talent people are here um there i mean i spoke with them earlier today they're always checking with us and now it's like i'm that mini film crew because i have to constantly be making videos and creating content for them and so um it it goes against everything america because in america we want instant gratitude now or maybe i'm i'm reading that the wrong way you know but like the young generation we need instant gratification so i'm sitting here doing all this work i'm like man i'm not even getting 10 followers out of all this work I, I need some marketing for my for my business over here but it's really cool because they're going to be able to to take that and to show some of the some of this crazy texan american dude that that's out there doing his thing and his flip-flops and everything and just living the dream they kept asking me like man why do you do this i would just look around and say look this is why this is pretty awesome sorry man i moved from a city this rock and rolls i'll take the country any day do you have a, a favorite moment that they were able to capture where you were like, oh, I'm actually glad they're here right now to capture this? Man, the stuff that, like, it would have been cool if it would have been Teddy saying or something, because, like, we all would have been like, oh, right on. But for Kit Farrow to say some of the stuff, I was sitting there grinning like a possum eating poop. My I was blushing in a way that I look like a little, uh, like a little 12-year-old in the late 80s with uh, new kids on the block, like on the stage in front of me. I was just freaking out. And that shows how old I am right there with that reference, my bad. It was, uh, it was really cool. I, I loved it. And like, I mean, Dave Hall, he's a great guy all the way through anyways, but for him to step up on camera too, and, and just everyone be supportive. It, that's a perfect example of like people in the South Pole. Dave didn't have to say anything, but he stepped up and was like, yeah, man, this, this kid, you know, he's doing what's right so thank you dave and um i'm definitely going to keep our south pole family updated on the socials and all that fun stuff and on the forum and whatever Anne will let me get away with because i'm always bothering that poor lady she does so much work and i'm just like Anne, is it okay if i do this no no james you cannot okay <laughs> so i'm just trying to to be respectful and share as much as because it's exciting and just trying to fight for the breed and as if it needs me fighting for it. Well, I'm sure the extra awareness um, will definitely be taken well. Um, so do you know when 
this documentary is going to be coming out. I know you that you're still doing some post-production and and some um, editing. So did they give you a roundabout time? Because I'm super excited about watching this thing now. <laughs> I want to see this. I probably ask them multiple times a week, like, hey, guys, what's up? Can we get a, can I just get a, a soft kind of time frame here, what we're working with? And it's so far down the, the pipeline on them. There's like, man, like we have a lot of footage we have to go through. Sorry, is the focus on you as a farm or your life on the farm or the cattle specifically? I guess it was, you said something about Texas ranchers. So are they following, you talk about your daughter, are they catching the hole that I'm in homeschool in the morning and then oops, we got to go out and move cows because it's 1230 and the sun's high and the forage should be full of energy. And then, you know, oh, any water at three o'clock. Are they catching all that? Is it going to follow you all day? Sadly, they follow me everywhere all the time. Um, I mean, I'll have a dude sitting on the dash in the hood of my truck because he'd rather use the big like 4K camera instead of the GoPro for certain shots. And I've had this poor Brit hanging off the front of my UTV. I'm just like, man, I, I was like, I'm not making y'all sign something, but y'all cannot sue me for being on my farm right now. This is out of control what y'all are doing. But I thought it was initially just supposed to be about the cows and me about the farm. And once again, there's like, man, this guy is out of control he actually has the guts to homeschool his daughter in between all this crap and so uh yep they, they follow us everywhere they're uh in the mornings they're there whenever my daughter wakes up i, I won't let them in the room for obvious reasons because it's been incredibly invasive but just different. i don't want to spook her and creep her out but they'll be out there and so i cook up um breakfast tacos for a bunch of a uh, bunch of these guys and they're just like oh man this guy and his breakfast tacos. I, I figured it'd be offensive if I tried to do fish and chips because we just have catfish here, <laughs> catfish and coffee. Oh, good grief. That sounds like a full house you got going on there. That's for sure. It, it's, it's something else. It's something else for sure. And, uh, you know, my dad's now uh, an hour away. He, he stays in memory care. So we're trying to just keep everyone happy, keep everyone's spirits up and go see him. And, and, and I show him some of this stuff. They, they're able to like, on their laptops, on their monitors, I'm able to sneak little like videos like, oh my gosh, because they'll edit it when they're here. They're like they'll do little 30 second clips so I get to film it. But for obvious reasons, I can't really share any of that stuff. But I'll go show it to my dad. I'm like, look, man, this is all you. This is all because of you, dad. I'm like you should, you're really incredible. And so it's, it's a bummer that this couldn't happen a couple of years ago, but everything happens for a reason. So we're just blessed that he's still around to to kick it with us you know that's great i love that i love that um that they just came out of the blue and we're like hey there's this crazy guy here in texas we're <laughs> we're gonna ask him if we can do this docuseries on him um because any type of i'm not gonna say any type of awareness is good but most types of awareness is good and it sounds like you're doing a really good job of um showing the south pole breed and uh maybe the hardships of farming Plus then I'm sure soil health and forage is in there somewhere along the lines. So any type of little transparency or gl glimpse most people can see into farm life, I think is a good thing because I don't think a lot of folks understand what it means nowadays. And it, and it can look something different these days and it does to a lot of farms. So I think that's going to be awesome. I totally agree with that. You look at the bull sale 
catalog pictures, you know, and they're posing and they're all pretty and they put them up in the prettiest pasture. But, you know, Teddy or uh, Tom McGrady told a story, story at a field day once that Teddy bought that cow and paid 17 or 20,000 for it or something. That's where some of that money went, obviously, and put her out in the pasture and she fell apart. Well, when we see a glimpse of what's going on in your farm is I'm a new person and I see that cow out there that's just working. And it's not just one standing there looking pretty, it's gonna be 20, you know, and they all look about the same. Yeah, maybe there's a few that are a little scruffier, maybe there's a skinnier one, you know, they're in their work clothes, but you see what can happen in a real environment. It, I like what he said, it's real. I used to hate that saying, but it is real and it's it's awesome. Man, it's realer than I ever wanted because I kept begging them. Can y'all wait until later in the spring because it's not, there's nothing growing here. Y'all gonna make me look like I'm raising cows on the moon with all this dead like grass around and nope, they wanted to show up. So, I mean, it was real as could be. And I had a, my mama cows, we, uh, we predominantly spring calvers, but we did have some fall calvers and those poor mamas, they did an incredible job. They carried their calves by their side all winter, but I mean, they weren't out there looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger at the same time. They were most definitely in their working clothes. And so, um, I tried to get them to fly the drone around them just to be safe. Got one last question for you here on the the document series. Um, was there any at any point? This is kind of maybe a personal question, but at any point, do, were you like getting frustrated or mad about something, and they were like all up in your face, and you're like, "Dude, no, you got to get the camera out of my face. We're done for the day," or anything like that ever happened? Because I always see that on like reality shows that people get frustrated and and they just can't take one more thing in their face because of the fact that I have seen those in, in other <laughs> situations, I was like, man, don't flip out on these people because they would have me, I mean, they would have me and my daughter park 18 different times in the same place because we have to get it from a different angle. We have to fix the lighting. We have to do this and everything. And you have to keep in mind, this is when I'm working. Like I, there's only so many hours in the day I've got to be working with the cows or just getting them water or whatever it may be. And so I, it was definitely frustrating because when we went into this, oh, James, you're, we're not going to be in the way. You just do your job. We'll capture it on film. Man, no, y'all were totally in the way. But it was cool because, I mean, like the producer said, he goes, man, you're, like, you're, you're showing some real emotional, you know? So hopefully it wasn't too real. <laughs> Well, James, you got to use that line you used on me earlier today. You said you were headed out to the cows to get your relaxation in and unwind. So he's like, oops, guys, got to go. I go see the cows calm back down. I tried to, man, but I had to park 18 more times. <laughs> <laughs> it was great because my mom's a little uh, like, I mean, she's a four foot two Hispanic lady. The only woman in my life I've ever been scared of. And, uh, they're over here asking her, Miss Foster, we need you to come back around, come back around her. And she's just driving and she's just staring at me, giving me this look. I was like, oh man, they're about to get it. it that's, she's going to go real housewives on them real quick. But she was incredible and it, it was funny. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, those are this definitely going to be some uh, memories in the making here, it sounds like. And it's, it's awesome that they're there capturing all that on film and uh, that's that's super special. So uh, looking forward to that. Thank you so much. Um, we, we are as well. And it's cool to finally get some pictures of me and my daughter out there in the pasture because there's never anyone else to like see those moments. And so I, I'm I'm excited of all things. That's the part I'm excited about.
I just want to have a picture of her and I on the on the mantle. <laughs> so if people want to uh, follow you, find you, you, you said you had 10 on Instagram. Why, why don't we make that, you know, 100 tonight? How are they going to find you? Man, I'd be happy with 13. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> but on Instagram, we are daddy daughter farming, just farming without the G on the end. And uh, that's kind of, that encapsulates just me and my daughter, what our struggles out there on the farm. And so you can see her chores out there every day, mixing up mineral water to increase bioavailability in the cows. And so uh, that's where we do that. We try to teach people along the way as well. And then on Facebook, uh, Foster Farms TX, uh, not to be confused with the massive chicken company out there, just um, Foster Farms TX, the business page. And I do my best best to post on South Pole page just under good old James Foster. But Daddy Daughter Farming is where it's at. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight, James. Um, and thanks for giving us a little bit more insight into the exciting current events that are going on in your farm and gives us all something to look forward to, I think, here in the coming months. And uh, you'll have to definitely keep us up to date and posted when they uh, start giving you some hints on when that stuff's going to come out. Most definitely. Thank you all. I really couldn't tell you how much I appreciate this. It's a true blessing. And it's kind of cool. I'm always driving in the car listening to y'all. And so now I just have to suffer with listening to my voice in between y'all's wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate you spreading the word. And you know, there's a lot of us are involved in this. We're not, Becky and I were talking about this before you came on. We're not in this for personal gain. Yes, we want to sell cattle, but we're not we haven't monetized even this podcast. We probably should for the association, but it's not huge, you know, maybe we'll get there someday, but we, we contribute because of this guy called Teddy Gentry that gave millions to create this funny little breed of cow that people used to laugh at. And now they're realizing, well, it's kind of like the Freemans, you know, he used to say, well, you know, that I like this and I like this, but they're just too small. And one day he was said, well, if that's everything I like, then why do I forget about the size and just use the things, you know? So that's kind of when you, when you accept that this is the way it should be, that's when you start making progress. So really appreciate what you're doing to spread the word. Thank you, buddy. I really appreciate the kind words and thank you, Teddy. Thank you, Dave Roberts. Thank you, uh, Josh. Thank all you guys that, that have hung in there and, and kept us rocking and rolling. And thank you, board, board members, the association. Thanks, James. Thank you. all really appreciate it. You'll have a great night. Folks, there you have it. That's James Foster, Foster Farms, the daddy-daughter duo in Texas, farming in flip-flops. <laughs> and uh, I laugh because I actually uh, move, I move cows in my flip-flops sometimes too. So it's, it definitely happens. But uh, James, thanks for sharing your story, and I cannot wait for that docu-series to come out. It's going to shed a lot of light, not only on the South Pole breed itself, but I think farming in general. I know there's a lot of challenges farmers face today in this industry, and hopefully it'll shed some light on that, but also the benefits and perks of being able to work on the land. Lastly, before I head out, I just want to make sure everyone is aware you have just a few days left, just a couple of days left to register for the 14th annual South Pole Field Day and Cattle Auction happening June 24th and 25th in Roseland, Louisiana. Go to southpole.com, hit the events tab and register online today. It's only $50 for this two-day event. You won't want to miss it. Folks, thank you so much. And until next time, happy grazing. <laughs>